0: Okay, we'll get started, we're smiling up here because uh, we feel sorry for Andrew at the back who's trying to get the live stream working and struggling but um, we wanted to wait because we know there's some people at home who want to join us this evening so hopefully you can see us and hear us and thank you for coming out in person as well it's nice to have you out this evening as we continue sort of where we were at this morning which was looking at the theme of Halloween, the subject of Halloween if you were here. I hope that was helpful to you and challenging as well as we think about this subject at this particular time of year. Just a few announcements for those who weren't here or those who weren't online listening, um, just at the beginning of our time together. Um, Can I just say uh, thank you, uh, as I do every week, for continuing to keep our compliance high as we look after each other. And so thank you for doing that. And if you do need to use the toilets, front half, use the toilets here, back half, out the back. And uh, please make sure we're not... uh, Too close together outside, and we're not blocking the the line coming uh, when we leave out. I'll stand out the way, and you can make your way out as far as possible into the car park afterwards as well. So we're not bottlenecking in the church here. Um, There is no affinity this Saturday night. It was due to be on this Saturday night, but because of the extension of holidays, um, we are going to move that on to another week, and we'll let you know when that is going to happen. So no affinity on Saturday night. We'll do that probably going into November. Um, The harvest services will be next Sunday. Myself in the morning, uh, John Burney will be preaching in the evening. And just on the subject of harvest and Thanksgiving, we're doing two uh, things towards harvest. Firstly, it's the shoeboxes. Maybe you've heard this before. Uh, This morning we're going to be uh, making and providing shoeboxes full of gifts for children who are Far less, far less well off than we are and they'll be shared around the world and the gospel will be shared with them as we practically demonstrate the love of God uh, and uh, doing it through preparing and sending shoeboxes. So if you want to do that, um, there is the website, Samaritan's Purse. Go on there. It says, how do you pack a shoebox? And you follow the instructions on there and then bring those boxes back no later than 8th of November to the church here and then we'll send them. For you. If you want any more details about that, please contact, contact Linda-Jane Kerr if you need her number or you want to talk to her, uh, then talk to me first and we can get you in touch. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to be asking you to bring in some packet foods um, or tins. That's going to be uh, between now and Wednesday if you can drop them off in the church. And then we'll have some visual representation of harvest, much smaller than previous years because of restrictions, but we want to do that in the church But we won't be having an evening where you can come and do that. All we're asking you is to drop off that produce between now and Wednesday night if you can. On Wednesday night, uh, Philip is speaking, so please join us at 8 o'clock as we uh, join together, open God's Word, study it, and then pray with each other. And so please join us at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Uh, That would be a, a great time together. It always is a great time together, so please join us if you can. I think that's all the announcements for now. Um, and uh, what we'll do right at the beginning is just quieten our hearts and come to our Father in prayer. So let's pray together. Father, we, we come to you, uh, a God and a Father who knows us, knows our hearts, knows our failings, yet loves us and cares for us and lavishes grace and mercy upon us, that of which we don't deserve in any measure. Yet you have done that for us, your amazing grace that we have experienced, those who love and trust in Christ. We have a father, a relationship with you now. We have the opportunity to come to you like this and open our mouths and our minds and our hearts as we come to you in prayer. We come to the throne of grace and we know that we have this wonderful opening and relationship with you. We have a Father who listens and is attentive. And so this evening we are in awe and we are a joyful people that we have these opportunities. Every moment of every day to come in and to talk to you, the one who loves us and cares for us. This evening we come in together, just as you have ordained it, as your church, that we would meet together to encourage and build each other up, but also to meet with you in this place, to sit under the sound of your word, to be edified and taught and molded and shaped. Thank you that your spirit which you gave us, that helper and that guide that we have speaks. And so we come in this evening again with expectation that we would hear from you, that we would know this spirit that is living and working in our lives. And we pray that you would speak to us mightily this evening and encourage us. And Lord, that we would be saints who stand up with the full armour of God on as we go out. That we would be saints who... By their walk, they would be glorifying you, a holy and worthy Father. So, Lord, we pray that you would help us tonight as we do that. Instill our hearts and we pray that we would prepare our minds as we think through more about what we've talked about this morning. But as we again approach the subject of evil and darkness, we pray you would protect us from the evil one, the attack of the evil one. You would shield us. But that you would bless us and equip us for your service. So we pray that you would continue with us tonight and help us in every way. We're a needy people, but we thank you that you are a generous and loving God. So go before us now, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's listen to the first song, Come Behold the Wonder Story.
1: Living in his suffering, never trace nor stain of sin. See the truth.
0: story let 's turn to our reading this evening we 're going to dive straight in here tonight and it 's just a short reading from one Corinthians ten uh, this just came to mind this afternoon actually, and um, felt this maybe was a a good place to start we 're going to look at different texts tonight just as we did this morning so make sure you have your Bible open uh, there 'll be more uh, verses and scriptures that we can turn to and you can note down as we go along but one Corinthians ten just at this point, maybe helpful to us. The first four verses is Paul defends his ministry. Um, we're going talk about the context of Corinthians. And we'll do that at some point, I'm sure. Hopefully, uh, as a church, we'll go through Corinthians. Um, but this ties in, I hope, with where we were this morning and where we are going tonight. I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ... I who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg of you that when I am present, I may not have to show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh but have divine power to destroy strongholds let's just pray for a moment Father we realise again that we enter enemy territory as we talk about the evil one and the darkness as we talk about enemy strongholds as we talk about Halloween And we do not take that task lightly as we sit here together. As together we sit under the word, as together we think these things through, as our hearts are turned towards Christ, we know the evil one does not desire this. But yet in Christ we stand with our armor on and we we wage war, even tonight. And so protect us and equip us and strengthen us in these days as a church, as we walk through these subjects that are not pleasing to the ruler of this world. But we thank you that you have written this word. We thank you it's perfect and true. We thank you that it teaches and trains and equips us and keeps us. And we pray this evening that you would do that as we study it together. And so we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As I've said already this morning, if you weren't here, we looked at the subject of Halloween. The subject of Halloween. In 13 days' time, many millions of people, billions over the world will celebrate that holiday. And we spent some time looking at the origins of Halloween. We looked at how it was pagan in its origin. And some of the rituals that they practiced, like bonfires and Pumpkin carving and trick-or-treating and dressing up and all that sort of stuff and how that translated into the 21st century and what that meant for us as Christians. We spent some time answering the question, in what way should we be receiving or rejecting or redeeming Halloween? But now, uh, I knew even before taking this on that this subject would probably be in some ways controversial and, and definitely a subject that we will not all agree on. But however, I hope at least that this has sparked new ways of thinking about Halloween and maybe new mindsets as we approach this holiday. And tonight, my aim is to continue on in some way from where we were this morning. I want to look at the dangers of flirting with the darkness. So that could be, if you're taking notes, that could be the first thing that we're going to look at. And then after that, a spiritual response to Halloween. A spiritual response. We looked at maybe a very practical response this morning. But tonight, I want to approach it in the spiritual. So firstly, flirting with the darkness. What do we know about demons? What do you know about demons? If I was to ask you that question, what would your answer be? You see, the Bible speaks very matter of fact about them, about demons. But actually, if you go looking, it provides little detail of them and their history, why? Why is that the case? Why has God not revealed, in his own word, more about demons? Well, God has a good reason for this. At least in this time that we live in. At least now, on earth. But before we get to the reason why, I believe God has not given us the details. And so let's think together about what truths we do know about demons first. And then we'll look at the other half of, of this as well after that. So what do we know? Well, firstly, we know that demons oppose the kingdom of God, don't they? Luke eleven fourteen to 23 is a verse that speaks directly into this. That demons... And their purpose is to oppose the kingdom of God. That they seek to deceitfully ensnare humans and manipulate them to do the will that they have rather than the will of God. And 2 Timothy 2 and 26 says that, speaks into that. Well, we also know, don't we, that from scripture, actually again from Luke, Luke 8, 26 to 39, that it's possible for demons to gain such an influence on your life and on people's lives that they essentially can possess them. We see that. We've heard of the stories of demon-possessed men in the Bible. Well, then we also know even beyond this as an addition we know that unless people are born again unless people come from the darkness into the light through the grace of Christ through their own through faith in Christ and they live under the authority of Christ that demons have power over death so for those who are outside of Christ demons have power over death. They have the power of death in those lives. Well, fourthly, we also know that there is a hierarchy. If you've been here over the last number of months, uh, you would have seen as we've gone through the book of Ephesians, and especially in Ephesians 6, as I mentioned this morning, and verse 12, that there is a hierarchy of demonic power. There is a ruling evil being known through the ages, and that ruling evil being uh, being known through the ages is called the devil and Satan. And he was manifested, and his power was manifested as a serpent in the Garden of Eden. You may remember it in Genesis 3. That's where we first see that. And this serpent in the Garden of Eden was present. Also in the Divine Council of Job, if you've ever read Job, he was there. And as I mentioned a few weeks ago, he was also in the wilderness with Jesus as he tempted Christ there. But beyond those things that we do know, we don't know anymore. There isn't anything else really there beyond those few things, beyond those four things. Why? Because God doesn't tell us. That's the answer to that. God doesn't tell us. Why do we not know anymore? Because God hasn't revealed it in his word. But why doesn't he tell us anymore? You would think, wouldn't you, that with demons being so dangerous and so influential in our lives that he wouldn't neglect the tellers and warners of such beings, Right? Well, after all, wouldn't we benefit from knowing more about our enemy? Wouldn't this help us in fighting our spiritual battles day by day? Well, turn to Romans sixteen nineteen for a second, please. Romans 16 and 19. Romans 16:19 says this For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil The answer to my previous question about does God want us to know more? The answer is no, God doesn't want us to know any more than He has already told us. And this may seem obvious as we believe as a church that the Word of God is sufficient, all sufficient, it is perfect and inerrant and it's infallible. And if there was any more to be said, any more to be revealed, well, God would have already revealed it to us, wouldn't he? The word of God is perfect. We read it to Timothy three sixteen. Perfect for all scripture is breathed out by God. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. But God would have told us, if he, wanted to know, if he wanted us to know more about demons. Well, when we understand this, and when we reflect on the limited information about our demon enemies, you begin to realize that our best protection against the demons is less preoccupation with them. Let me just say that again. Our best protection against demons is less preoccupation with them. But let me go further. It's less preoccupation with them, but more preoccupation with God. Less understanding of deception and more understanding of faith I'm not saying we don't know what's written in, in God's word we should Ephesians 6 the passages I've mentioned already but we don't need to go digging any further and preoccupy ourselves preoccupy yourselves by getting to know Christ that would be a better weapon against the devil This this morning I said that we are children of light. We're not children of darkness. Those who love, know Christ, who are in Christ, we are children of light. We're not of the darkness. The light has overcome the darkness and it cannot overcome the light. See, when light is in darkness, darkness cannot overcome the light. That's what the Bible tells us. We are a distinct people, therefore, and we are new creatures in Christ. But so often... So often we see Christian living. And that Christian living seems to exist on the edge of the light. Where the light meets the darkness. And there's so many, even friends I've had in the past, who have shone so brightly in the light but have been so preoccupied with the darkness that even their standing on the line is too close and maybe they even have their toes over the line as they begin to flirt with the darkness. So it's a scary, extremely sad thing when that happens. We are not to position ourselves Facing the darkness, we are not to position ourselves in any any position where we can flirt with the darkness. We could say that Halloween, in all of its dress up and fun, is for some a golden experience, a golden opportunity. Sorry, to experience darkness for a night. You see, for many though. It doesn't take a special holiday to go there. You see, for many it's a habitual thing. And the more they are positioned near or in the darkness, the more they desire whatever evil and sin it is. And the more they are characterized then by darkness, more so than the light of Christ. What's the remedy? Step away. Turn your eyes on Jesus. Turn away. Keep out. Do you not remember? I suppose this is maybe a good thing for us to to think about. Do you not remember the first time that humans desired knowledge of both good and evil? The first time humans desired knowledge of good and evil was, of course, in the Garden of Eden. And it got us all into a whole lot of mess. It got us all into a whole lot of trouble and it led to a path of damnation for everyone. Adam and Eve were so close to the darkness that they forgot the glorious light who walked in the garden. And then it was too late. Banished. Sinners. Vile. Despicable. Unclean creatures. Because of the pull. Of the darkness. And as I said this morning. Halloween through the ages. Have. Or may have moved. From this deep rooted pagan ritual. To a more commercial holiday. But I'm not willing. As I've said this morning. To set my child. To set myself. Or my wife in that world where this over-visible demonic evil with the potential it has could consume us. I'm not willing to put my life under the exposure of evil. We, the church, should be, as I've read in Romans 16, wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil oh well, we, we need to know what God has told us about the evil ones I've said already and about his minions but that's not enough see do you know what scares me more than anything and it should you more than anything my heart your heart should scare you why because whether you like it or not We all have heart disease. And it constantly needs surgery from the master surgeon. Today, as we've talked about Halloween, we've probably fallen into the trap of thinking that the evil of Halloween can somehow contaminate the faith, it can somehow contaminate the heart of the believer. Maybe you have been thinking that. Maybe you've always thought that. And maybe in some ways that is true. But Jesus actually says the exact opposite. Turn with me to Mark 7, please, if we go there. Mark chapter 7. This is really important. Mark chapter 7. And verse 21 to 23. From within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. What's the thing that scares me most? My heart. What's the thing that should scare you most? Your heart. See, the fruit of our lives, whether in holiness or sin, is always inextricably tied to the root of our hearts. If our hearts are prone towards sin in certain ways, we will find the way to sin. Sin indeed corrupts, doesn't it? But the sin is not so much out there in the world as in here, in my heart. So we cannot stand and only say that there is great evil out there, which there is. And we cannot stay and stand here and say there's great evil out there and we should not touch it, which we shouldn't. But there is greater evil in here. And this is the most important thing to keep from disease. And it desperately needs the touch and the moulding of the potter, of the master, surgeon, our Lord our God in heaven, our Father. Thinking back to Romans 16 and 19, which we read just, just a few moments ago, where it said, we are to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. I couldn't help but think of our armory again. Again, if you've been with us through Ephesians 6, we have walked through the armory, we've opened the door, we have looked at all the pieces, we've... I pray, put them on each day since. Because when, the reason I thought about this is because when you think about it carefully, when you think about what we're talking about tonight and when you think about our armory, and again, we don't have time to go back in detail, but when you think about every piece of the armor and the weapons, every piece of the armor and every weapon have to do with being wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. I want you to get this in your mind. Our armour helps helps fulfill what Paul has asked us and called the church to in Romans 16 and 19. See, when we armour ourselves with God's truth and God's righteousness and God's gospel and God's promises and God's salvation and God's word and we prayerfully orientate ourselves to God. This is the greatest protection from the snares of the evil enemy. It's the armor that allows us to fulfill Romans 16 and 19. And so if we want to be careful and cautious about our hearts and we want our hearts to be full of Christ and directed to Christ and in his ways and loving and cherishing his ways rather than the ways of the world and the ways of evil and darkness then we need to put on our armor. Well, we have to move on. Time has gone quick. Let's look at a Christian response to Halloween. This may take a slightly different direction. This may have a slightly different feel, but this is important to, to us tonight. A Christian response to Halloween. Ghosts, demons, Satan, zombies, witches, spiritualists, all things we encounter at this time of year. And these things can easily be the cause of many Christians to retreat, to take flight, to run and hide. But I'm not convinced of this approach. Halloween is not too haunted for true Christians. Now, I'm not saying we indulge or receive opposite to what I said this morning but God in his word didn't give opportunity for Christians to run and hide on a given night of the year he didn't say for us to hide away to turn the lights off and wait till morning no he told us to rise up and to revel in the power of the sovereign Christ you see we can begin to think that October 31st is the devil's day ever heard of that? It's the devil's, it's Satan's day. It's the devil's day. It's not the devil's day. It's the Lord's day. And it's our day. Halloween isn't an invitation to fear. But actually, when you think about it, and if you turn it on his head, it's an invitation to feast. For the Christian to feast. What do I mean? Well, this morning I walked you through a short history of Of Halloween, and we talked about All Hallows Eve. This was an annual celebration of the seemingly super holy Roman saints or the holy ones. But under God's providence, a monk I didn't tell tell those who were here this morning this because I wanted to save it for you tonight. A monk named Martin came, he came to our rescue when he went trick-or-treating on October 31st, in the year 1517, at the door of the Wittenberg Church, Martin, the monk, went trick-or-treating. Eventually, Luther, Martin Luther, labored with a horde of others to liberate God's people from a host of medieval uh, misconceptions, including the assumption that only some, not all, of Christ's people are saints. And so since Martin Luther and his famous acts in the Reformation, we can stand and say today that Halloween isn't the devil's day, but it's ours. Now as I've said before I'm not claiming by saying this I'm not claiming all Hallows Eve. I'm not saying that truly belongs to believers. I'm not claiming that we celebrate death and darkness. Far from it. We in no way celebrate death and darkness but in every way we celebrate our saviour's victory over death. And over everything demonic. Demonic. We mark Christ's triumph through death over sin and over Satan. We echo the words we read this morning from Hebrews 2:14 that through death he destroyed the one who has the power of death that is the devil. They are the words we should be echoing. We should not be retreating, we should be reveling and feasting on the on the truths of God's word that actually we serve and we proclaim and we worship Christ who was the victor over death and darkness and Satan and as I finish this evening let me encourage us with this as Christians as Christians with sword in hand with sword in hand with sword in mind with sword and heart we have a theology we have a foundation we have truth tall enough and thick enough and powerful enough for every ounce of Halloween and every other day of the year Please know that Satan and his servants aren't more powerful on Halloween than the other 364 days of the year. Or they may revel in that. They may revel on that day when thousands and millions and billions of people revel revel themselves in the darkness. But please know this and be sure that God's word is enough to win the battle. Not just on Halloween. But every day. Every day we have breath. God's word. We know it. If we love it, if we cherish it, if we have it, if we memorize it, in minds and hearts, if it guides us, then we have a sure thing to win the battles. And so October thirty first is not a night to fear. I'd like to feast and rejoice with confident smiles and maybe treats in hand. See, the harvest is ripe for rehearsing in your day-to-day life precious truths. Or teaching someone for the first time. Not about evil, but about good. About Jesus and about what it means for us to have such a saviour. A hope a friend and to live not as a people of darkness where the evil is prevalent but to live as people of light who shine in a very dark world that we live in so let's not hide away let's stand out as lights to our communities to our friends to our family members to our kids and maybe in this way Maybe in the way I've told you this evening, we can redeem Halloween, using it as a striking surface for teaching God's ways and reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father help us not to retreat Father help us not to fear but to feast help us to realize that we are on the victory side and as darkness presses in especially at this time of year may we stand firm armor on sword in hand looking for every opportunity to shine the light of Christ into lives which are currently in darkness. This is what you commanded us to do. We would go out and we would proclaim and we would baptize and we would be your agents in this evil anti-God world. Thank you that you have called us. Thank you that you equip us for such a task. And we pray that above all, above all, that we would turn our eyes to Christ, that we would not long to be in the darkness, but that we would long to be in the light and with Christ. Help us by your spirit to be these people to be children of God who are obedient to your word and are obedient to your mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's listen to this final hymn together.
1: in the light of His glory and grace. Turn your eyes to the hillside where justice and we carry
0: new week that's our prayer that we would keep our eyes fixed on Christ Lord that we would walk into this week with great confidence not of fear but we would have great faith that we were on the side of victory we have a father who knows what goes on behind enemy life. whatever battles we will face in this day And in the days of this week, the weeks and the months ahead, Lord, we pray earnestly that our hearts would be right before you. That that is, for us, our concern as we walk into this very dark world. Lord, keep us, protect us, go before us. Speak to us, change us, convict us, purify us, so that we may be bright, bright lights in this dark, dark world. Bless us, take us home in safety, give us a desire to be together soon, Lord, take us through whatever we have coming up this week, and Lord, we thank you that we can know your presence and your power in our lives each day before us now we ask in Jesus name Amen